And another reminder that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It gives you everything you need in one place, and it's free. You can use it right from your phone or your computer. They have creation tools, so you can record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. And they'll distribute your podcast for free. So you can hear it on Spotify, Apple, Google, and many more. Just like us here at BraveMaker. Make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. So download the Anchor app today and go to anchor.fm to get started. Thanks to our sponsors. Now back to the show. Stories, scripts, and conversations with creators. This is the Brave Maker Podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 57 of the Brave Maker Podcast. This is Tony Gapastone coming at you. Shelter in place, week three. How are you all holding up, uh, climbing the walls, scratching them, punching them? What are you doing to get through? Hopefully, these podcasts can uh, give you some source of hope and comfort and ultimately inspiration to keep writing, living, acting, pursuing your story, your dreams. Today on the podcast, we have Karen Saudel. And Karen is a Brave Maker ambassador. She's been involved with our community the past few months. Really excited about that. I've worked with her a couple different times doing some acting projects. So we'll talk about that. So welcome, Karen. Hey, you guys. Thank you so much for having me. It's just an honor to be on here and just to be able to talk to Tony um, and be a part of what he's doing with Brave Maker. I mean, I can't express enough how many brave stories are out there. And to be a part of a platform that just showcases all of those is phenomenal. So I'm just Thank happy you. to be here. Awesome. Thank you, my friend. All right. So let's dig in. Where are you at in the world? And uh, what are you doing to cope through the shelter in place during coronavirus? <laughs> So I am in Oakland, California, Bay Area native over here. (laughs) And I what I've been doing just during this time of coping, um, I would say I was I'm kind of keeping a really steady schedule. I would say like the first couple of days into it, um, I allowed myself time to just kind of sit back, relax, let that sink in and kind of reflect and digest what the heck just took place, right? Everyone got those right. emails and notifications of like <laughs> shelter in place is in. So just laying that process. And then I kind of just jumped back into, okay, well, this is what I'm going to do at 8 a.m. This is what I'm going to do at 10 a.m. Um, and so it's been great to just, you know, schedule phone calls with family, with friends, with people that I don't get to talk to on the regular because of how congested uh, my schedule can get as a creative. Um, and then jumping into some projects that, you know, that needed to be developed anyways, <laughs> you know, like cleaning up your website, um, structuring some of the stuff. I'm a mental health advocate as well. And so I get to kind of jump into some of those things and, you know, build up my own mental health during this time. Cause if you can't go out, all you can do is go deeper within yourself. So that's been a, a nice journey to go along with in this time. Ooh, that's, that's a good profound sound bite. If you can't go out, you can only go deeper with yourself. That's good. Mm. I like that. How, <laughs> so how did you get into this entertainment industry? How did you start your acting career and get involved? You also are a dancer. Bring us back to the beginning. Ooh, okay. So um, back to the beginning, I would say um, I started, I would, I would, I would say 
I got the inspiration to wanting to be an actor from just different things that I watched as a young child. I remember being like, Ooh, I want to go on, on the Disney channel. Or I want to go on that TV show. I was kind of the, the, the child in the family. I'm a, one of 10 kids, what? like seven girls, three boys, in my family, Whoa. Uh, my parents, <laughs> they came here from Chicago, had a bunch of yeah, kids. Baby. So I remember jumping in. I was child number eight and being like, what the heck is going on? So many kids around. Your parents um, were busy. <laughs> wow. Good I on them. them. They were, I can't complain. You know, I'm number eight. You know, wow. people were like, how do you like being a part of a big family? I'm like, well, I'm glad they kept going, you yeah. know? Um, but I was the family entertainer, you know, I would reenact stuff, you know, and was, what was crazy is I was extremely shy, which is like so surprising. Um, but I would reenact stuff. My family would be like, can you do that one thing or reenact that one commercial? And I just do it. I was like, Ooh, so I guess it started out with stand up comedian stuff. Um, then I went to musical drama. So I was dancing, singing, absolutely loved it. But I knew because of doing that, um, the stage work, which I learned so much good information in regards to that improv, you know, knowing, knowing like what your positioning is, how to work with other people. Um, but I became a lot more focused with that. I love being on screen and I love doing film and I, you know, being able to like pinpoint exactly what your inspiration and your, your dreams and your passion really lies. is a huge thing when it comes down to being creative, like which direction do you actually want to go? Um, but I think those skills are some things that, it's always good to have on hand 100%. So we, from the time you were a kid, you were doing stage stuff, dance stuff that really kind of propelled you. Did you always know from a little kid that you wanted to be in the creative world? Yes. Yeah. I, even though I was kind of shy, which I'm totally not shy now, my mom's like, I can't believe you were like a slow person to start talking. Like I was uh-huh. like, I didn't say words unless I needed to, you know, uh-huh. but um, yeah, no, I wanted to do that. My mom was like, you need to come down okay if you can't even uh do things in front of like a big group of people then you need to kind of start small so she put me in theater first before just throwing me onto you know commercials and all this type of stuff she's like let's see if you can even do this Mm -hmm. so I kind of took like um drama and on stage production as like a challenge I'm like let's do it you know so I was performing I danced I did ballet folklorical I did all different styles that I learned through that program which um was here in the bay area as well and I did get to that certain point in my career when I was transitioning from doing on stage and wanting to go towards film. It's really comes down to making that decision. Like, where do you want to go? Is LA the way, or, you know, if you're going to go and jump into that and be a part of that scene. Cause being here in the area, I'm like, I'm in San Francisco. I'm in a good spot. Like if I, am I going to stay here or am I going to go to New York and continue Broadway? Cause I was pretty good at that and I enjoyed it, but I really wanted to be a representation of the talent that was here in the Bay area for a lot of the amazing directors that are here. I mean, our weather here is phenomenal (laughs) Um, and just being present. So um, in my education, I made a slight little shift. Um, I started studying kinesiology and psychology um, and went the route of being a physical therapist assistant and kind of working with a PT clinic here. So I get to work with some phenomenal pro athletes when I'm not on screen. Um, It's something that allows you to still you know, afford to live in the Bay area as well as pursue my main passion as an actor. So that's cool. So talk a little bit about your, your job. How do you make things meet? How do you make life and rent happen in the Bay area, which is one of the most expensive places in the world being an entrepreneurial creative freelancer? Um, I would say one of the biggest 
things that I think creatives take for granted, um, I would say one of our biggest skill sets is our ability to adapt. And I would say just throughout my whole career, like I went from, you know, I remember one of my first jobs <laughs> was actually carpentry. You know, I was doing plays and stuff. And then like, I worked with this one um, carpentry business where we'd go and remodel houses. I'm like, where did that skill come from while I was still doing school, you know? Um, but I transitioned, I have a love for, you know, um, physical and mental health. Um, and so I think that one of the best things that make me feel good about myself is when I'm fit, when I'm like out there running and working out and making my sure my body's healthy. So um, physical therapy was that thing for me to, to continue to help other people reach their physical goals as well. And you can't get your physical goals unless your mental, you know, capacity and stability is there. So that's cool. So for you, that ends up being a way you take care of yourself too. And also make a little bacon, bring home some bacon. <laughs> One of the things I do love is, is I do appreciate the, the PT clinic that I work at, which yeah. I can drop their name because they're badass. Cool, um, cool. It's active care in okay. San Francisco, but um, they've been so flexible, you know what I mean? And that's, if you can work with a company or any place that I would let them know. I'm like, Hey, I have a huge commercial shoot mm-hmm. this day, that day. And they're like, all right, cool. And we just adjust. I shift some of my clients over. And, and that's something that is really beneficial for, um, I think a lot of actors that work in the, the fitness industry is having that flexibility to still jump on some of the biggest jobs that you wouldn't even expect, but you can still afford to do it. So I'm kind of, I am full-time artist, but then like, it's good to just have that, especially during this time when, you know, production's at a halt right, right now. <laughs> That's such a good reminder too, is the, the creative life does require a lot of collaboration and support. I mean, first of all, you had a, you had a supportive family. It sounds like, you know, your mom is the one getting you into opportunities and giving you mm. the green light to go after that, which a lot of people don't have a supportive network from their family because it is so um, uncertain, right? Like there's not a direct formula or template for you to make that's money, get your, your bills be paid. So I think that's, that's awesome for a family to really support their, their kids in that endeavor, because that's what brings someone to life and gets them to be creative, to figure out how to do that. And two, when you do find those jobs that help get through the droughts, it's important to have supervisors and bosses that get it, that will understand because there's nothing worse. I've worked with in four places before, who have been just resistant and put up obstacles and almost shame you for having mm-hmm. a passion outside. It's, it's interesting. I think some people are really narrow-minded. They think you can only really do one thing and be good at one thing. If you're not here, I've heard things like, sounds like your heart really isn't in this, Tony. You, you don't feel like you're fully <laughs> present. I'm like, that is just the worst thing. Yeah. It's a really that's... toxic environment. So good on active care, active care, right? Yes. Active for care. being They're that amazing. kind of workplace. I really like to hear that. So I think at the, go ahead. I, sorry, if I can say one more thing, I, yeah. I think it's coming down with having that, making that decision for yourself because, you know, right, regardless of where you need to go, if you need to go to LA, if you need to go to certain places that you feel like would be better within your career, if you don't make that decision to be like, this is what my full passion is, even if I don't have that side job, because there were some moments I didn't, you know, and I was like, I better book every single gig I can and you know really put that grind out there because you're deciding that that is going to be your main priority um that does make a huge leap of faith because you're you are worried like okay where is that check coming in um but that's just a bold move and it's it's a brave move uh, Mm -hmm. for anyone trying to take that step within their career hands down 
Be a brave maker, everybody. You heard it from Karen right here. So Karen, I've known you for a couple of years now and you are you really have a lot of energy, positive energy and vibe. You're a optimistic person, a very friendly person, which I think that's probably part of your success. We talk a lot about this on this podcast is building relationships and being a kind and compassionate, humane human being is a large percentage of what helps people get through those doors. So with a supportive family, with a great workplace, you still are encountering rejection and obstacles. What is that like for you? How do you navigate that? And how can you share some stories of what it's like to go on a bunch of auditions and get a lot of no's? How do you handle that? So that, I would say, rejection's not never a fun thing. You know, if I was going to sit here and just say like, oh yeah, no, it doesn't bother me. Next one coming up, blah, blah, blah. You know, the reality is you can't sit on things for too long. You know what I mean? Like, just like I said, at the beginning of this quarantine situation, it's like, it hits you. You let your, your body, you let your mind respond to it. And then you, you move on, you take the next thing, but you still need that little space to be like, all right, it didn't work. <laughs> you know, now let's get our energy back to the next, the next best thing. But I, I mean, I've had so many auditions, so many auditions that I walked in filming dope. I felt good. I was like, oh, I got this. <laughs> I got this. One. And then, you know, you don't get it because sometimes it's on the basis of like, oh, we didn't, we didn't like how tall she was. Right. Or we didn't like that, you know, she was wearing orange instead of yellow. If she came in with yellow, you know, sometimes it's very superficial stuff yep. that you really can't beat yourself up about, you know? And I remember I did an audition that it was completely improv. And I was like, if all of our auditions could be more like this, then it could be just a great day at work, like regardless if you get it or not. I mean, but yeah, no, just rejection in itself. Like if we get, if that's something that we can't overcome um, as being actors and people on the forefront of just so much judgment, we are in the entertainment world. We are, we're people who aren't even in our world have an opinion, you know, and sometimes you can start tackling in within your own social groups, your own families, like, how many people are speaking into your life that you really care what they have to say and start valuing what opinion and what responses are coming your way. Cause then when it happens in the creative world, you're not too beat up by it. Um, and then always going in prepared regardless. <laughs> like, I've had some, I had some auditions. I, I walk out and I'm like, Oh, that felt great. And I get the response and it's like, Oh, you know, you got dropped from that soft hold. And then you get the email like two seconds later, like, Hey, you're on hold for, for Stanford or something. You're like, you're like, God provides, you know what I mean? And that's when I wouldn't be anywhere I am today without my faith in Jesus Christ. And I would say he provides my needs, but unless you step out with that faith and it's rocky, like you said before, um, there's so many, so much uncertainty within this career and being content with that and where you're at, like, the mind is a powerful thing and how you speak to yourself mm. and the words you say to yourself or is what is going to lift you up to the next step in your life or either beat you down for the next audition. And, and we really can't be running off with that low energy when that's it right. comes down to our career. So no, that's, that's good. I, I like that. How we talk to ourselves. That's really important. Do we believe that we have the value? Do we believe that we have a good story? Do we believe that we bring something to the table? Even if someone says mm-hmm. no, 
in closes. Oh gosh, when you talked about being released from the hold, oh, that is the worst. So those of you who aren't <laughs> actors, when you go on audition, sometimes uh, your agent, which shout out to our agents, we have the same agent, MDT, talent agents. Let's go. Love them in San Francisco. <laughs> shout out to Kevin and Michelle and everybody there. Uh, we will get an email or a phone call from agent that says, you're on hold. Or another thing is they want to check your veil. They want to check yes. your veil. Oh my <laughs> gosh, I hate that. It's like I go on an audition and I have to fill out a, a form. Am I available on the shoot date for this, this and day? Right. And I say, yes, I am available. I would not be here <laughs> if I was not. And then if they like you, they like 10, 20 people, they might go, okay, just find out, just make sure, like 100% sure that they're available like, for the shoot date. You're like, ah, I told you. Yep. You try to be all calm. <laughs> I'm available. You're waiting like a day, two days, sometimes a week. Oh my gosh. Sometimes a long time. Right. And that's so when it comes hard. down to how you speak to yourself. Because during that that's period, right. you're like, well, I feel like I did good. I think I was great. Did that's I follow right. the script? Right. And you're like, what am I stressing about? Like you're on a soft hold or you're on check out. It's like, all right, what's coming up? What's coming up next? Like I get that email and I forget about it. Yeah. I mean, I check it on my schedule. I'm like, Hey, if it happens, it happens. I always have everything on my schedule. as like a potential gig or a possible uh-huh. gig or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I just, I forget about it. I go on to like, what's new material I need to learn. What's some things. Cause you have to structure your mind and you have, you have control over how you're thinking and where you're going to be, what you're going to be pondering on. Right. Cause that's a lot of idle time. If you're just thinking about something you did in the past. And so as soon as I walk out of that room, I say goodbye to the, like, the casting people because I love them. I'm like, hey, I love you guys. Ooh, ooh, felt good. And I just peace out mm-hmm. and just wait in response to what they have to say while still continuing on with my career and my passions. Oh, that's so good. It's such a hard discipline. I always feel like my phone jiggles my, like anytime it vibrates, it's like my whole body, like, uh, is, that my, is that a phone call from the agent? It's just like the hardest thing. My worst story was years ago, probably four or five now, I had two auditions in the context of a couple weeks and I got checked a veil for both of them. One was a national commercial and one was like a Yosemite fit modeling gig for I think North Face or something. North Face came back and said they wanted me, but I had to give them the answer now. So MDT was like, so you're on check a veil for this national commercial. We can't tell you what to do. You have to decide do you want to go to the fit modeling gig, which didn't pay, it paid a riot, but not as much obviously at a national commercial would uh, check a veil. I, I was like praying, thinking, what should I do? Oh if I get gosh. the national commercial, that could be amazing. So I said to MDT, I'm going to, I'm going to not go for the Yosemite gig or the uh, North face, whatever gig. And no joke within hours, I got dropped for the national commercial. Went back to the Yosemite client and said, "He's he, can he come back in?" And they already booked somebody else. Oh my gosh! That was like I I was so depressed for days. It was so yeah. discouraging. But that's the type of thing that actors, creative people, have to navigate through. Like a really hard decision. I mean, gosh, would I have done it differently? Of course, knowing what I know now, but I still go. But what if I got that national commercial? MDT was like, if you say yes to the Yosemite people. And then you also book this national commercial and you back out. That's not going to look good for us to back out and leave them in the lurch. So I had to make a decision, you know, that's hard. And that's hard. And those decisions can be like, those can be thousand dollars, a couple thousand dollars Mm -hmm. (laughs) decisions that are really hard. So 
I would say like one of the most encouraging things, like I, I would say like we have to adapt within our careers as creatives, but we ha- also have to go through not only rejection, but just big losses yeah. like that. It's not because they didn't, you know, they didn't want you. They do want you, but then you have to kind of like make these, these choices. So we have to go through these huge losses, which does kind of bring about this depression. I feel like during this time of isolation and quarantine, there's a lot of people going through some huge losses yep. right now. Yep. How do they cultivate that? How do they even get their mind to be like, uh, what job, who am I? A lot of our identities are stuck within what we do with mm-hmm. our, within our careers. Mm-hmm. So like even outside of being an actor and I get to shoot these things, it's like, who am I? You know, yeah. what if I don't get that huge national gig? Like you have this whole inner dialogue with yourself. Like you can't go back in time. You can't change yeah. it. So what are we going to do moving forward? And I, I feel like I had a similar situation where I was like, Coca-Cola, or this, or yeah. Stanford, or, or Apple. And you're kind of like, yeah. uh, uh, uh. and it's like this game of chess mm-hmm. that's still uncertain, mm-hmm. right? Because you don't know how the other the other players are moving. So that's right. I think that reminds me too right now to acknowledge the grief like th- that we're experiencing, like the losses that we're giving up with having to literally give up our time outside of our house. It's just sad, you know, uh, for Brave Maker, we've had to give up our public screenings and potentially yeah. looks like for sure we'll be postponing moving our, our film fest from May till later uh, in the fall. But that's just sad, like all the work and time and energy and money that goes into that. And so that's a big grief, but in these little small griefs, when you are an actor, especially, and you get told to no, you got to let yourself feel it. You really have to take care of yourself. Yeah. Because if you just kind of go, oh, I'm going to buck up and move on and I'm fine. That isn't healthy. So I think as creative people, we need to be doing more meditation and prayer and yoga and exercise and having hobbies that aren't the things that are going to advance our career or things that aren't making stuff. So if you are listening to this and kind of resonating with a sadness, it's okay. It's okay to feel sad. You know, we shouldn't have to feel like we have to have it all together. You know, Google some self care, some, uh, get the, the mind. Um, what's that app? Uh, on my phone. It's a mind uh, meditation app. It's just so good. Mm. I, sometimes we'll just Google meditation podcasts. or Spotify. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that I feel like one of the, my biggest things right now, and I just personally is breathing. Uh-huh. Um, I think that we don't, a lot of people breathe really shallow and we don't even realize like how shallow we're breathing until we're actually like giving our body and giving our mind, like giving our blood, everything, the circulation that it needs. And so like, I even put in some of my, on my schedule, which I'm like, okay, I'm not going out of the house. I'm not doing this. Maybe I have some scheduled zoom calls or whatever, but I will just like schedule a time of nothing. Cause you don't realize like how much we're on our phone, how much we're on like technology because Mm -hmm. of this isolation. Mm -hmm. And so when you really like, even if you don't even have anything planned for that day, you could just schedule in like an hour of nothing and just see what happens during that time. It's, it's a really, it's, I've, I've been experiencing just really powerful moments of just, sitting, relaxing, breathing, um, and then getting up and feeling energized is actually just because of that. That's Prioritizing so my rest. That's convicting so. too and challenging because I know all of us, the work that we have to do has to get done. So we're not getting out to get meetings. So we're spending so much time on these Zoom calls. I'm with <laughs> you. I feel like I need to have at least one day where I'm not on a Zoom call, <laughs> that I'm just <laughs> writing or doing nothing, you know? Like, gosh, that's so good. Hey, everyone. Interrupting this podcast real quick with my daughter. 
to introduce a new segment while we're in shelter in place called Two Minutes with Marcus. Two Minutes with Marcus. That's right. Marcus Robinson is a new partner with Brave Maker. He is a film reviewer and critic. You can find more information about his thoughts about movies at moviesmarcus.com. That's right. Moviesmarcus.com. Marcus with an M A R. KUS.com. He's going to be on the podcast giving two minutes of reviews, and you can hear him on future podcasts as well as we'll be posting his reviews on our social media. So enjoy this two minutes with Marcus. Hi, my name is Marcus, and today I will be reviewing Vivarium. It's a new sci fi available on demand, directed by Lorcan Finnegan and written by Garrett Shaley. Also, it stars Jesse Eisenberg. It's about a young couple looking to buy their first home and finding themselves being guided through a new housing development by an oddly mannered real estate agent. But even odder is the community itself. All the houses look identical. The clouds even look identical. The grass, the dirt don't seem to be real. And nobody else seems to be living in the other homes. And oh yeah, when they try to leave, they can't find the exit. They just keep circling, 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 and ending up in front of that same exact house. And then there's the appearance of a child in a cardboard box. And then from there, things get totally bizarre. So 20 minutes in, you might get the feeling that Vivarium is going to be something akin to a decent episode of The Twilight Zone. And by the 21st minute, you realize, yeah, you were right. It's simply a decent episode of The Twilight Zone. And while it could have been a short film, um, I believe Finnegan does a really good job at keeping the entertainment value high. First, by using an underlying dark level of humor, which Jesse Eisenberg really reinforces. And second, by um, presenting a nightmarish dream-like lynching suburbia. Actually, much like Eraserhead, Lynch's surrealist nightmare about his own anxieties about the arrival of his first child. Vivarium seems to be Finnegan's anxiety about uh, buying a home in the suburbs and starting a family. Um, overall, I would recommend this to somebody who enjoys Twilight Zones or weird little horror movies. Um, if you're not into that, yeah, steer clear. But I would still give it a three and a half out of five stars. Now back to the podcast. Okay, so yeah. speaking of uh, your jobs and MDT and, and stuff, you I know you just got to go to Pixar, and I know you can't talk yes. a lot about it. I mean, can't talk a lot about it, but what can you say about being on a Pixar project and how that experience was? Um, number one, <laughs> that experience was absolutely mind-blowing. I mean, <laughs> Pixar is definitely one of the biggest companies that I've – it was like a dream company – that I've always wanted to work with and just walking in there and just seeing all the sculptures and, you know, statues of like the Incredibles and like Toy Story. And I was just like, am I really here? But also like keeping calm, you know, cause we're all working professionally. Being cool. <laughs> Being cool. Um, and just, it, it was just a huge um, turning point in my career, I would say too. So even like imagining that we were like, oh my God, I got to work on like one of the biggest jobs of my life. And then like, to, a day later, it's like sh- self shelter. You know what I mean? Like, how do you have that hold? But um, it was it was just incredible. It was it was a beautiful thing. Um, I would say a lot of the work that I've done in the past has been on screen, has been commercial, and I just took the extra step in voice acting. Like, I actually applied a little more energy into doing that because when I got sent that audition, I was like, no, I can't play around. 
I need to go in and get the real people to record it for me. I went to Dish or Sound. Shout out to them. They're amazing. Um, got them to just help me with some of that work just to get everything going kind of smooth. And I was really happy that I did. And so to be brought in, being told that they loved my reads, um, they loved my stuff. They said I was talented. I was like, but still cool. <laughs> still cool. <laughs> um, <laughs> and just to be surrounded by talented people. Like I was in there and there was like just five of them were just sitting there watching me, giving me huge directions. And it was a huge learning experience. And it was an honor to just to have like one of my first voice acting gigs be with Pixar. So, Gosh, so, so blessed um, just to be in their presence. Their building and their space in and of itself is just awe-inspiring oh. which goes to show so much that our environment like how we like i'm looking at your space right now we'll post a picture of where you're um yeah let's do a screenshot ready give me a nice little yeah one two three we're going to take this we're going to post this so you can see how cool <laughs> she is like just like so cool looking but your <laughs> your space the colors you choose the the, um, the amount of clutter or not affects <laughs> us and you go into pixar True. And just the way they set up everything is so obviously based on imagination and based on creativity and a childlike posture. It's so cool. So uh, one other thing to to consider, I think I know for me is where am I doing my work? You know, I love having stuff that I can see that inspires me and I love colors. And, you know, if you don't have a huge apartment, can you take one little corner and make it a cool desk in which you can put your computer and connect with people? Or can you like... Karen has pictures up behind her. What can you do to inspire yourself? Pixar totally gets that. They totally get They that. do. I 100% agree. And I feel like that even during this time of, of isolation and quarantine, like there are, there has been some changes I've made in my house. Like literally these pictures went <laughs> up like two days ago or that wasn't, but I know like now that I'm home, I need to change my workflow, change, like create my schedule, but also like create an environment that, you know, brings about inspiration and even if you're not doing anything you just feel inspired just being in your own space now right because now we actually have to be here i I don't even remember the last time i like took a nap when i was actually in my scheduled thing you know because i took a nap i'd be like oh crap i wake up i'm groggy i'm like i keep going um but now there's just time for you to really beautify your space um, and make it that creative space that needs to be. And Pixar, yeah, 100%. Every single person, every single creative person's space is different. Mm-hmm. There's no cookie-cutterness here. And that's there's nothing like that within our career. And if you're trying to create something that's authentic, it comes with vulnerability. Mm-hmm. Um, just within your own space at home. So That's good. I dig that. I'm, I dream about the future of Brave Maker. I want a huge building like that with studios and cool couches oh. and chairs and a cafeteria like they have. Oh my gosh, I love going there. I see that. I see that for that. Kidding me? Right? Everything starts with visualization, right? right. If you can't visualize it, then <laughs> what are we talking about here? The other I told day, you, absolutely. I saw this picture of all the uh, startups like Apple and Google where like they started in a garage. Right. So you've seen that picture before where all these yeah. big companies started in somebody's garage and that's how it started. I was like, yep, you know, we're in this little humble little office, but okay, someday it's going to get bigger. Keep <laughs> seeing it, make it happen. I have, I, I feel like I'm going to go out and buy, which go out and buy, we'll see. I don't know. But uh, I really want to get like a big whiteboard, like uh-huh. one of those ones that you just like, 
You know, they always see in those like detective movies, like we're trying to figure out this coding data or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I see you. You got one over there. I was like, <laughs> I need one for like just this wall in my room. Yes. Just because during this time, I'm like, there's probably things that are going to be dropping on your mind right now. Creative ideas, business ideas, yep. you know, shoot ideas. Like, oh my God, I'm going to direct that. That we just need to be writing down. Yep. We just, now is the time to write stuff down. Oh, so if you gosh. can get a wall, get a, a pin board and be like, oh, notes to Karen yep. or notes to you during quarantine um, when you look that. back on it later it's mind-blowing get that whiteboard so. get those post-it notes out write that sheesh down write it down make it happen <laughs> <laughs> so karen is a bay area actor one of the things that i love about our community is that it is so relational and your connections really help pave the way for the things that you want to mm-hmm. do and so karen and i connected which is so fun through Sean McCarthy and Elizabeth yes. Mitchell and their TV show that's on Amazon and iTunes called Douchaholics. So let's get into that, which first of all, I know that that name could be offensive to some, but it's super funny. It's a quirky, raunchy, that's hilarious comedy set in a recovery group for douchebags. <laughs> uh, so Kieran, talk about how you got this gig because it goes back to you again, how the industry is all about connections and how we meet people yeah. and the way those things happen. So share about that before we talk about the episode that we were in. I mean, okay. So Dushaholics is hilarious. Um, the director, Sean Carthy and Elizabeth, they, they are phenomenal. They're amazing to work with. I actually met them once um, at a Tony Robbins event a couple of years back. That was like really divine. I mean, I remember we just like, they had seen me cause I was like, pretty much dancing on the stage there, <laughs> popping it down low. I was invited by one of the chairmen to even attend, which I wasn't planning on going until like four days before. And he's like, you better make your schedule available. So I was like, okay. So it was just really divine being able to meet and connect with these creatives that have always been in my area. You know what I mean? If you don't, if you're not intentional about like really searching who else is doing what you're doing. Um, you'll find some, just some, yep. some amazing nuggets that are just like, what? Um, so we kept in touch they brought me in and they were like, hey, we're shooting this day. <laughs> I got the script that day. <laughs> wow, you got the day of? You didn't even know? Yeah, I got the wow. script that day when I showed up. I was able wow. to meet Tony over here, who was who happened to be my, uh, my, my boyfriend on that thing. <laughs> I love my guy for him. You know, such a good move. I'm kidding. <laughs> but no, it was, it was phenomenal. But being able to really connect and have those relationships, like for them for them and I to just kind of feed off of our, each other's energy and for them to even trust that I can do what I do and say what I can do. Like I, oh, I told them I was an actor, this, this and that, but they brought me on right, right on set and gave me the role. And it was, it was such an honor and a privilege to be able to, to take part in that. Do you remember, was it like a year since they first met you, since you got connected to their show? Yeah, I think so. Right? Like it was, it was, a gap it was a while because i think they were still kind of creating the idea and they were working on some things and they had like another idea and then finally they sent me an email they're like hey this is the part that we want you to play and and it was like the next couple weeks i think i was there on set so they just for like shooting the dates and all that kind of stuff so i definitely had to like bring my you know that energy i'm like okay what do you guys want me to do let's tackle it and then meeting everyone else that was on the same set as well um it was just beautiful. I was like, dude, these talented people, we got to do this stuff more often. And 
has been honored to meet Tony. Hello. And <laughs> see some of the work he was doing. Um, so yeah, it's just, it was a beautiful divine, I would say, um, meeting. Just a reminder to me, Brave Maker listeners, that this is a long game. I mean, some people don't like calling it a game, but it is a long, it's a marathon. It's an investment of your life. Way too many people give up too early. They put time frames on it. If I don't make it in two years or three years, you know, and, and defining what make it looks like, right? Because making it doesn't look like you're all of a sudden going to be, you know, whoever you think you're going to be, whether it's uh, Brad Pitt or Kerry Washington or uh, a showrunner like Jeffrey Lieber, who's on episode 56 of our last episode. You, it takes time to develop your craft and to make these connections. And sometimes we think, the connections happen overnight. And sometimes the connections that we make can be not the best. They're not done in the best way. They're done like, well, what can I get from this person as opposed to yeah. how can we be mutually beneficial? So I remember Sean and Elizabeth, shout out to them, uh, Sean McCarthy and Elizabeth Mitchell. We love you. And uh, they are very active icons in the Bay Area in the film community with Gorilla Wanderers, their production company. But I remember them telling me when they met you, I feel like they saw you dancing. They were like super wild. And then it was like a random encounter. Was it when they were getting coffee or eating after the session or something? Yeah, they no, I actually... You, right? Or in a bathroom line? What was it? <laughs> it was, it was uh, I was using the bathroom because usually like That's our right. <laughs> section has like an area because we were sitting like, I know it was, it was a chairman area. So like when we would go out to take a break, we went, we had a whole new break area session, like area. So it was like towards the end. And I like just walked out cause I was leaving. I just went to like the bathroom and we were washing our hands. I think and it was, <laughs> she was like, Oh my God, you know, you're the one that was da da da. And I was like, Oh, hi. And we just started like just interacting and talking. She's like, this is what we do. You know, like, me and my husband do this. And I was like, okay, cool. And we just, it was very brief, you know, it was very short, but just that, that connection that those few minutes of just chatting and hearing what they do, knowing that they're in the Bay area and we just like exchange information and then went from there. Boom. See those kind of stories. We need to hear those, you know, in the bathroom, right? It's just (laughs) like, you never know. And I, sometimes I hate that, but I also love that. You never know how these things are going to happen and the connections are going to be made and they see you and you're just, you have the right fit. And maybe they thought of you for something else, but then it comes back around to do shaholics. So so, so cool. So we played Trekkies, Karen and I. I'll post a picture of us uh, on the <laughs> Facebook page when I post this, but it's super fun. I'll make I'll do a link in the show notes to Dushaholics. Go watch yes. it, especially if you're in shelter in place and need something to watch. They're like eight to 10 minute episodes. Super fun. That's Maybe not so safe good. for little kids being in the room. <laughs> so beware of that. But, uh, I just don't know so how good. I went from Star Wars to Trekkie. I was at that. Was a- <laughs> <laughs> still trying to, to make that decision in my mind who am i right you gotta know your identity otherwise you're stuck to all these different characters it's called acting you're acting <laughs> i know <laughs> all right hey um last few questions thanks so much for your time uh i'd love to hear who these are this kind of rapid fire questions who influences okay. you or who is someone you look up to could be alive or dead someone you know in person or not but who are people that inspire you in your craft who in my craft Man, I mean, I think there's there's a lot of actors that are already really well known um, that are just phenomenal. But I, I've been trying to just like make a lot of lists of just like African American ones that mm-hmm. are just amazing. Um, but I also like to fall into 
artists that are outside of my career too. Sure. Like when it comes down to music, like I love Lecrae because mm-hmm. I feel like that just feeding yourself, music is very influential and it's like what you feed yourself is what you'll project. So like Lecrae is one of my, one of my go-tos. Um, I would say, uh, <laughs> I mean, back in the day, I absolutely loved Halle Berry. She was like one of my <laughs> favorite uh, actors. I mean, there was like, she was phenomenal. I love Jada Pinkett Smith. Like, I remember there was one time I, when I was younger, I was like, I think my new name's going to be Jada. Okay. Like, I don't even know. I was like, if we, I think it was like my childhood password when I was younger. I was like, get yourself together, you know? Yeah, I love it. Do you watch the Red uh, Table Talks? Yes. Yeah. I've been seeing, and I love them, right? I think more family yeah. needs to come out and just like have those vulnerable conversations with yeah. each other, right? Yeah. Like if you can't do that in a home, how are you going to be your, yourself out in, in public? You know, mm-hmm. and so just seeing the, the three different generations of people sitting there and having this discussion, I think is just phenomenal. Um, and I think right now we're everyone's shelter in place with some of the like their whole family. You know, what I mean, so just spending that time and like digging deeper with each other mm-hmm. sounds rough, actually, <laughs> <laughs> but it sounds like it's it's for growth. So yeah, yeah, cool. Uh, what films or TV shows are you watching, binging right now in shelter in place? Man, I. Someone just told me that I need to watch Tiger King. Oh my so gosh. I don't Beware. know what I'm doing with my life. Beware. Really? Is it, oh no. I, uh, is, I, um, I haven't started stuff. yet. I, I'm four. Is it? I'm like, what is going okay. on? Are you recommending it for me right now? Because I, uh, I don't know if I'm recommending it. I mean, here's why okay. you probably should watch it. Cause everybody's talking about it. So you can talk about how <laughs> ridiculous this is. Oh no. I can't jump reason. on something that everyone's. Oh no, no, It's no. not like so, going to be meaningfully changing your life or inspiring you. Uh, okay. Okay. <laughs> you might, cause the whole time you're like, you're like, what, what am I? Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I haven't seen though? And I, I haven't seen Parasite. Oh, um, get on. I know, that. I know I need, like, there's some, there's some movies, films that are kind of just like homework. Like I know mm-hmm. I just need yep. to get on and watch it. And yep. during like this time, I've been trying to check some of this stuff. So like Parasite's definitely one of those that I just yep. need to, to do. And, and just really soak it in. Cause like sometimes when you're in this field, we're constantly just like have a, we have all this huge long list of like films to watch, but now we actually have time to watch them. So mm-hmm. even adding that into my schedule being like, yay, my one film a day mm-hmm. um, where I can actually like watch in on a more deeper level and then have my own little commentary in regards to that. That's good. Cool. What made you cry recently? Mm, that's a good one. I have to think about that one. Man, Thank you. that was like such a good question. You just like, oh, these are just like little pepper questions. Huh? Let me just let me just cry. I was like, maybe because there was like no food on the shelf at the store. You know? Oh, that is sad for real. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, to be honest, like, I because back in the day, like. Um, I didn't used to cry that much. Um, I think that just with a lot of like how I raised and just the day and age and the time that the time zone I was raised, like, mm-hmm. and I think just because, I mean, my family is just a badass family and a lot of African-Americans are, mm-hmm. um, but crying used to be just like a sign of weakness. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And it was like a sign of like, you know, 
suck it up. You know, it's not going to, it's not going to help you. Why cry about it? Just move on. And I feel like, especially with who I am today, I have been, you know, planning more times to cry. Like, I don't know. It sounds weird, but I'm just like, while I'm like praying and like in my prayer closet and kind of just talking with God, I'm like, I, there's a lot of stuff that I think us as individuals need to do actually cry about and just like get all of it out. So, um, yeah, I just think the last time I, I cried was probably just of my own like self healing, mm-hmm. like being able to just sit in my own presence, talk to myself and be like, what do I like about myself? What I do not like about myself? What do I appreciate? What am I grateful for? Sometimes when I just sit and think about all the things I have done and what I'm so grateful for and start thanking God for it, it kind of brings me to tears. So like, I don't think I, my last cry was more of the depression or sadness, but it just like, just gratefulness yeah, and cool. it's a lot of things that we take for granted and when we start to really check them off the list and I think that's what got me is I was like oh thank you for this thank you for that oh thank you for th-. and I'm like oh my god thank you oh my goodness ah! <laughs> like, gratitude really, gratitude I'm great. so happy like <laughs> I, what am I here crying like about or what am I here like really in this self pitiful state when I have so many things to be thankful and then that kind of brings me to look at others like yo how can I get someone else to be on that same type of wavelength same type of grateful wavelength of tears um that I've been on so yeah during this time of isolation I've been just like yo thank you God that you know that you're even in my life so (laughs) that's great awesome Karen you're great I love your person of faith you got all these really great stories of being uh, in the creative world and also bringing the woman of color and African-American person and how that affects you and the way you see the world. So you've got so much to offer. I'm super glad that you are a part of the Brave Maker community. So thank you for that. The last question is, how would you define what it means to be a brave maker? How I would define um, being what it means to be a brave maker is 100% stepping outside of yourself outside of your state of fear, outside of your um, limitations. And I think that one of the things that holds just anyone back, whether you're creative or not, which I think everyone in the world is a creative. I think that's what society wants us to think that we don't have this ability. You know, we're put in like the corporate world and all these different things, but a lot of people have to create websites or, you know, throw things within technology. They don't realize that they're creating, but given the timeline, of when they get that done, you know what I mean? You're still creating stuff from scratch. Um, but just breaking down a lot of those limitations. And I think the same thing that goes with jotting down your list of things you're grateful for, you can do that same thing with jotting down the list of things that you think you can do. And as you're jotting those things down, like, oh, uh, th- I can't do this because of that. And I can't do this because of education or I can't do, when you start to read it back to yourself, you realize that we have so many things offered, offered to us at the, at the tips of our fingertips, right? We're just, it's just right there. And so when it comes down to brave makers, they're creating content that are sometimes the hard conversations Mm -hmm. or sometimes the things that people do know, but they don't really want to hear. And then being able to, as a director, as an actor, as, um, you know, a part of the production team, being able to bring those stories to life so that it becomes the new norm. You know, a lot of these brave stories, if they were actually taken and digested and reflected on upon with society, we wouldn't be having a lot of these issues that we see today. 
And history repeats itself in so many, so many ways. And so that's one of the biggest jobs I feel like as the production and creative teams, like we get to bring to life and visually show what we as humans have been doing for centuries. And how can we start making those changes? And if we won't be able to make any of those changes without brave makers that are out there to really bring it to the forefront of our eyes, you know, of our everyday life. So I feel like it is, it's vulnerability, vulnerability that really gets people to be brave. I like it. Thank you, Karen Salville. Live long and prosper. (laughs) Uh Uh (laughs) (laughs) That's an inside joke. You got to watch, you got to watch our episode of (laughs) to know what that's about, but where can people find you, Karen? (laughs) Oh man. Um, You can find me on Instagram. I'm there um, with, Karen South, K-E-R-E-N-S-O-U-T-H. My full name is Southall, but it's just kind of cutting it short there. Um, I also have my page on there, Mind of an Athlete, which we're going to be dropping some some cool content coming up soon where I interview pro athletes in regards to their mental health and just applying that to the corporate world and how we can all really be tapping into athletic mindsets during this time of isolation and just stay strong. Um, I'm also on Facebook, Karen Southall as well. And... You can, you can find me at Brave Makers. So yeah. everything connects, you know, you to me through Tony as well. So That's thank you right. so, so much Check for the show me. notes. You're going to be seeing Karen. She's going to be jumping on the podcast more in the future, we hope. And she's going to be joining our first Zoom call with filmmaker Deborah Svoboda, who is the oh. filmmaker of Quinceanera Protest. And we're going to be... Uh, meeting April 1st at 11 a.m. Pacific Daylight Time and April 2nd, Thursday at 7 p.m. Pacific Daylight Time. So if you'd like to join me and Karen on that call, just message me, Tony at BraveMaker.com. We'll add you to the call, but we're going to meet Karen. So we're going to meet Deborah, who's the filmmaker, as well as a woman who's the executive director of the Interfaith Humanities uh, Integrity for Humanity organization to talk about immigration here in America. So uh, while we're in shelter in place, why not be educated? Why not learn? Become more compassionate and socially just. So Karen and I will be facilitating a conversation. You can join us. Cool. Thanks, Karen. Yeah. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the Brave Maker podcast. Subscribe, give us a rating, and share with a friend. Brave Maker is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. Our work is funded by generous patrons like you. Support the podcast with a tax-deductible donation at bravemaker.com. Want to be social? Find us on Twitter and Instagram at Bravemaker, Inc. Brave stories change the world. You are the story.